Detroit and the world. Welcome to another episode of Authentically Detroit, broadcasting live from the Lower East Side here in the city of Detroit, powered by the East Side Community Network and sponsored by none other than the Ford Foundation. Now a concert partner to the new BridgeDetroit.com. I'm Orlando Bailey. And I'm Donna Givens-Davidson. Thank you for listening in and supporting our efforts to build a platform of authentic voices for real people on the east side of Detroit. We want you to like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. We drop a new episode every week, so be sure to turn on those notifications. Today, we are reunited and we are feeling good. So let's catch up on all the happenings here in the city and hear the latest from Donna because as Shook Avery says, she's married now. She's married now. <laughs> we are delighted to welcome Donna's yeah. husband, artist and director of design at the Charles H. Wright Museum for African American History, Kevin Davidson. Kevin, welcome to Authentically Detroit. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We are so excited to have you here. I think we're going to release this video too so everybody can see y'all all hugged up <laughs> Oh man, it's so good to see you guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. How is everybody doing? Well, we're getting back. It's uh, and you know, there's a lot of readjusting back to the work life and the mm -hmm. pace of everything in the community. Um, we were really blessed with a number of um, gifts, which we did not expect from our wedding. I, mm -hmm. I want to tell you, we weren't even planning on even asking or registering. And then people kept asking us, so at the last minute we registered, and um, what a blessing. But Where now we have to figure at? out um, Target. Okay, good. Now I know. Mm -hmm. like, we're, not, we're not asking for gifts. Yeah, I remember mm -hmm. that. So I was going to register at Bed Bath & Beyond, but Kevin told me that was too bougie for some people. He said, just register at Target. So everybody, you know, because Bed Bath & Beyond, that's right. my place, but you want to make sure that people don't feel obligated to right, right. You know, do too much. Bed, uh, Target is bougie now for a lot of folks. Target then got high. Well, yeah, but, you know, I did compare prices. Some things were the same and some, you know, they started with the upper tier of whatever. So, yeah, we tried to have a mix. Uh, and Target has the perception of bougie-ness. I mean, you more bad, bad so than it is. Oh. <laughs> bougie. Yeah. I think it was. Mm -hmm. How y'all feeling? Y'all feeling good, though? Mm -hmm. Great. Oh, man, I'm so happy to see you all together. I get to see them together probably more than everybody else, but it's just good <laughs> that uh, Kevin has decided to join us on yeah. the show. Uh, and Kevin's our guest. So today's show will really be, you know, we're going to do our fresh off the press, but I want to, I got questions for this, <laughs> this uh, newlywed couple that I want to get into. Um, I was talking to Donna via text the other day, and I said, you give a lot of people hope. And she was touched because it's a message that she has been receiving over and over again. And I would yeah. say you've been receiving that message over and over again because it's true. It is a truism and it is real. So I'm happy that folks will be able to see you guys together and hear you guys on the airwaves together talking about your love journey. I'm so, <laughs> so excited. Um, it's time. Oh, oh, also, I should also mention that we are recording on a day that has been dubbed Detroit's Memorial Day. Uh, the city of Detroit honored uh, victims of COVID-19 today, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, but I just wanted to say that up front. I wanted to make sure that we encapsulate that um, in this Before little capsule. On, Orlando, where are you? I am, <laughs> I am home in my new loft. Oh, <laughs> I knew nice. it was something different. It's I was beautiful. like, wow. Yeah. Uh-huh, so now that we're going to have to visit yeah. you in your new <laughs> you guys have to come. I would love to host you guys for dinner, and I'll cook. Let me know what you eat and what you don't eat, because I love to cook. Donna is only, the, at ECN, they only let me make my um, my chicken chili. They didn't let me make anything else, so I can cook something else for y'all. Oh, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations yeah. on your new home. So yeah. we are both in a new place right now. Mm -hmm. New you, new me, new <laughs> yeah. authentically it's, it's, Detroit. We're yeah. going to out with the old, in with the new. I, mm -hmm. I'm really excited for you, Orlando. I'm as yes. excited for you as you are for me in getting mm -hmm. married because I know how much it means to you. Yeah. So thank yeah. you. For thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, that excitement um, is real and I, I, I appreciate it. You're right about it. Uh, really just being... Um, 
a journey. This year alone has been uh, the testing and the trying of our faith in so many ways. Just when we thought that, okay, we're over this hump, another one comes and uh, somehow we have managed to uh, get back up. Like that thing that's weighted on the bottom that the people punch, the kids punch, and it comes right back up. We're like that. We, do, we just keep coming up. Uh, you know, in my good. mind, I always think of myself as a phoenix, you know? Yeah. Because um, I just keep coming back. And um, you may think you took me out, but here I come. I love it. it. God gives us that. God gives us the ability to bounce back and to be renewed. And a lot of times we don't think we have that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a time where you really want to celebrate renewal, even as you acknowledge angry some people are facing, even as we speak. Yeah, and Donna and I both have birthdays coming up. My birthday is on Wednesday. So my Virgo Petty is at his peak right now. Because you know <laughs> <laughs> I have been saying. Listen, my Virgo is so ridiculous. Let me tell you a Virgo story. <laughs> we applied for this grant. We didn't actually apply. Some people came to us having written it and needing a person, an entity to apply for them. Um, they thought they were going to go through a fiscal sponsor and they found out they needed a principal investigator. So they asked us to do it. So um, there are four entities in this grant. Three people from ECN are part of the grant, myself, Ricky, and Michelle. And then there's two other people, KT and Renee Wallace are also in it. How about this? Four of the five people in this proposal are Virgos. <laughs> I like Renee Virgo. Wallace is a Virgo? Yeah. Hmm? Renee Wallace is a Virgo. Renee Wallace has That's why I love her. Right? Exactly. And she I want to like, get her on the show. So needless to say, we are finalists in this grant for six hundred thousand dollars starting a composting initiative in Detroit to try to demonstrate climate equity practices. So I know very little about composting. I didn't sit through any of Michelle's classes, so I'm gonna have to learn a lot so I can actually sound reasonable as a principal <laughs> investigator of this project but when i realized there were three out of four of the people i don't know when kt's birthday is she may pop up on the 15th or something and then <laughs> yeah, five out of five but you know there's a certain amount of pride when virgo just does stuff right yes i don't know yes. what it is we are that one astrological sign that really likes each other <laughs> yes we really Everybody. get along with each other yeah yes. yeah and i was telling the newsroom earlier today <laughs> Uh, we were discussing something and I'm like, I'm just going to keep my mouth closed because my birthday is coming up and my Virgo petty is at its peak. Like I am. <laughs> Y'all know Donna can be petty and I live for Donna's uh, brand of petty, but man, it's been trying to ooze out of me uh, this week too. So it's been, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. So I would say this, Donna, uh, birthdays take on an entirely new meaning this year. And I'm not gonna cry because I feel I'm feeling away this um, this weekend and uh, this week actually. Uh, but birthdays are another reason to just stop, reflect, and be thankful. So thankful. So as I approach 31, I am I am just filled uh, with immense gratitude for all of the relationships, the friendships, the love, the support, um, the life that we are able to continue to enjoy on this earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. It's been great. It's been, it's been great. All right, y'all. It's time for Fresh Off the Press, news that we are thinking about. If you have pieces that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our socials at Authentically Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email us at AuthenticallyDetroit at gmail.com. Donna, fresh off the press. Detroit protesters filed a lawsuit over brutal violence from police. ML Elric at the Detroit Free Press is reporting. Wow. So um, I don't know if people realize it was in August 23rd where the police chief decided to crack down with violence for people who violated a curfew and he stands there with straight face and says, well, they, this wouldn't have happened if they hadn't violated the curfew. And I'm not going to say he sounds like the, the Kenosha police chief who says that 
Um, those people would not have been killed if they had not violated a curfew. But it seems as though if our law enforcement similar. were trying to enforce our constitutional rights as much as they were trying to enforce peace and order and the silence and submission of a certain population, um, we might have a more just nation. So um, I was really happy to see the protesters sue. Now, um, the council, Corporation Council Garcia, is that his name, says that he's Lawrence excited about this because yeah. they can counter sue. And I think that this is exactly where it needs to happen in the court of law. If I attended courtrooms, I would sit here for that because um, there is um, so much hyperbole coming from Detroit police. Um, police Chief Craig says, well, when people are going to protest, they don't wear bulletproof vests or they don't dress like this. And I'm thinking, well, when police are going to enforce peace, they don't put on riot here. So we can have this conversation both ways, but we only <laughs> seem to be having it one way. And um, one of my Facebook friends who is a public employee for the city, I'm not gonna name him because whatever, posted something yesterday on Facebook. He asked the question, um, who benefits? He says, well, we need to look at who benefits. Who benefits from lawlessness and disorder during these protests? And I said, well, law and order folks benefit because what they end up being able to do is invalidate the purpose of the protest, try to um, push back against the police reform, and also just continue with their violation of um, human rights. So yeah. in my opinion, the only people who benefit our police officers continue to escalate violence, who continue to um, create a framework where people end up, you know, harmed and then deny it, even though I'm looking at it on television. So I'm glad that this case is going to see um, the light of day. What are your thoughts on this? I, I absolutely think it is asinine for a police chief to be mad about protesters not heeding to a curfew. Isn't that what civil disobedience is supposed to do <laughs> as uh, we exercise our First Amendment rights? Um, and so I think that um, this is a war not only with uh, Detroit will breathe and uh, people who join in with them in their fight for uh, racial justice, uh, the defund the police movement, and so many other things and demands that they have. But I said that this is also a war, a narrative war that we must name and refute, right? Um, I tweeted the other day because I was just really tripping off of the headline that called a 17-year-old white kid an aspiring cop who came from Illinois to Kenosha and shot people dead in the streets. There was a news article that called him an aspiring cop. So as much as there is an all-out war on Black life, there's also a narrative war that we must name and refute. And that is what we see happening uh, from the podium at the White House. The president is in a press briefing right now spewing hate and lies, but it's consistent in his messaging, right? And we see it happening here in the city of Detroit where we have a police chief and a mayor who doesn't sound that far off from the rhetoric that the president has been spewing um, from a national stage. And it is, it is disheartening. It is disheartening and it is a war of narrative. And we have to name it and we have to speak fat to it. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was in Atlanta, I was at the Civil Rights Museum and I watched a, um, a well, I, I saw a uh, uh, ex exhibition on the, um, what was the bus, right? The Freedom Riders. The Freedom Riders, yeah. And, um, you know, a good number of those Freedom Riders were white. A good number of those Freedom Riders were not protesting on their own behalf. They were protesting on behalf of people. Um, but, you know, from the, but, but it was okay to kill them. It was okay to beat them because they were race traitors and they were portrayed as intruders into somebody else's movement. And I think we have to be really, really cautious about how we allow those things to be framed because the two men who were killed in Kenosha were white men right. who were out there demonstrating on behalf yeah. of civil rights. And 
are we saying that you can't fight this for me or are we saying we need allies because as long as I live, I will never understand how 15% ever constitutes majority and how we're going to get there alone. We need allies and we yeah. cannot abandon our allies because it's convenient. And so I stand with protest. I stand with the right to protest. Mm -hmm. And just like the president stood with his Nazi friends and other people talked about free speech mm -hmm. and we had people demonstrating in Michigan State, we had Nazis walking through Detroit last year under the auspices of the police chief and people come armed and dangerous in our capital just like they have a right to demonstrate and exercise their constitutional rights assembly and speech comes first in the constitution and i will stand by that and stand against anybody who tries to get in its way even when it's inconvenient so i feel very passionately opposed to all of the rhetoric around this and this idea that detroit doesn't have a problem around racism and police violence when we've had how many police shootings in the past two months you know and the way that the police chief describes it is well they've never been so crazy these criminals he describes black criminals in detroit in the same way that white police chiefs describe them in other places as if they have inhuman qualities and as if you don't have to recognize their value as people um, but at the same time, we see police officers really protecting the rights of white people who demonstrate. So, Kevin, I do want to let you in on this because I, I, I get excited, but I want <laughs> you to be able to share your thoughts. Well, I think that, you know, this goes, you know, back to, you know, 1619 and, and really beyond <laughs> that, um, when we were brought to the shores of what is now this nation, um, you know, we have had to revolt even before we got here on the ships, we had to revolt. Um, and, you know, this has been systemic over all of this time, you know, this, um, nation has, uh, sought to, um, do away with our constitutional rights. Um, and our rights as human beings, you know, and we were regarded as chattel. And so um, we revolted on the plantations um, because, you know, we were seeking, you know, basic human rights for ourselves. And so on through the civil rights movement, the first reconstruction, um, when uh, black men gained the right to vote, and we had representation in Congress, yeah. uh, and then all of that was taken right away. The Civil War, yep, absolutely. Right. Yep. Uh, and then there was this reign of terror on us. We mm. were uh, lynched, raped, um, burned uh, for the sake of uh, suppressing what is so fundamentally important to us right now, the vote. And so when they took that away from us, there was another, uh, you know, uh, what, 50, 60 years before, you know, we could revisit that, you know, but all during that time, uh, systems were put in place to repress our very basic uh, fundamental human rights. Mm -hmm. And so right now, as we go out in the streets and we demonstrate, it's like a tradition. It's, it's something we, that we have to do. Especially uh, in order to fight for our own um, human rights and our civil rights in this country and our constitutional rights. Um, and so it is a continuation and we just have to keep fighting. We'll get there. I believe we're going to get there. Yeah, I have a friend who says, uh, Detroit is the birther of movements. We have a yes. long history of that's right. In our First Amendment rights and that's history, right. and uh, our friend Simone Lightfoot calls Detroit Big Mama. <laughs> <laughs> I like that because it is. It is Big Mama, and so yeah. I, you know, I think <laughs> there is a post that said, and you know, see, seeing the brutality against the protesters and seeing the narrative that comes after. Um, and seeing what's happening in Kenosha and around the country, they're supposed to say, your black friends are not okay. So we, we are having a hard time right now. And it's even harder for folks like Donna and myself to 
process what's going on and then put words to it so that we can have an exchange like this. This is not an easy time. And it is, it is so disheartening to see leadership, Black leadership, frame uh, what is happening in a way that is disparaging to our Detroit citizens exercising their First Amendment rights. That's all I'm going to say. Can I just say something real quick, Blink? The question is who benefits once again, yep. because um, it's really not just who benefits from disorder, but who benefits from our current structures remaining in place. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there are those of us who benefit at the expense of others. And I think we need to call that out and create some level of accountability where we say that, um, you know, it would be more politically savvy for me to not say that and decide with the um, people who are oppressing people who are um, in the streets. After all, you know, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I'm not a young black male or a young black female. And, you know, I'm not really facing directly the kind of abuse that I see other people facing. Um, and so would it be easy for me to accept a certain amount of position and praise to keep me silent? And that's what I see some people doing. I think that we have to um, fight against that and understand that we are one. And whether or not I'm young, whether or not I'm directly in, um, you know, experiencing this, my children are, my grandchild will, um, we're all connected in some way. And when mm. we act in solidarity, we're strongest. And so it is really a call to those people who find it convenient not to care, to say, wait a minute, your ancestors fought, like Kevin said, right. and their ancestors fought. Mm -hmm. And who are we to stop the fight in 2020? Right. That's right. Uh, uh, Peter Blackmer, on the point of who benefits, um, I would say white supremacy benefits from the system staying in place. And Peter Blackmer said this the other day. He said, police serve as the enforcement arm of white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. Again, wow. more yeah. than white people benefit from white supremacy. And when That's we right. understand that, that, when we understand that because you have, you know, um, sometimes you benefit because of your proximity, right? Um, mm -hmm. Your role. And I, I, we have to all hold ourselves accountable to that. I need a bail. Where? <laughs> I have to find, hold on a second. Because I want you to say that again. I got to find a bail. <laughs> oh my God, where's our bail, y'all? Ah, oh, I want that. That deserved a bail. Where is it? Here, let me see. I may have something. I'm going to have something. I got to. There we go. No. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Fresh Orlando. <laughs> Detroit mourns victims of COVID-19 with the drive-by processional. Several, several sources are reporting this. And so uh, we are recording, I want to give the date, we are recording this episode on Monday, August 31st, 2020, that has been dubbed by our mayor as Detroit's uh, Memorial Day. And so uh, Rochelle Riley from the mayor's office and a bunch of city departments uh, got together to put together a drive-through memorial for Detroit's COVID victims. We've had, uh, I think the number of deaths in the city of Detroit is up to around 1,500. Right. Uh, today, as of today, um, and families, about 900 families submitted photos of their loved ones that uh, we've lost um, to COVID. So today, uh, there were multiple uh, funeral uh, processionals for families um, and friends to uh, drive around and just take in the incredible amount of loss. And so uh, for me, it is hard to fathom and have conversation with anybody who dismisses this as something that didn't affect us or um, didn't really happen or isn't real. Uh, there, was, there has been and still is incredible loss um, in the city of Detroit. Among those loss is um, our friend Marlo Stoudemire. Um, who is sitting like a G <laughs> on the island, like the G that he was, oh. along with so many other loved ones and friends. And so if you have not, uh, if you have time this week, 
uh, go out to the island and uh, pay your respects uh, to your neighbors, to the loved ones of your friends and family, and to some of our best champions. Those people were the best of us. Um, and we wanna make sure that we encapsulate that on this episode and acknowledge all of the victims of COVID-19. And we wanna encourage everybody to still stay safe, um, and mask up and do what you have to do uh, to social distance. Absolutely. So on Saturday, um, Kim Trent sent out the um, funeral link to her father's funeral, which took place at um, the Aretha Franklin, you know, um, and so finally got it, took a minute for us to really make it work. And so I decided I was going to drive on to Belle Isle and sit and look at the water while I was watching this on my phone. So I drive onto Belle Isle and I turn left like I was required to, and all of a sudden I start seeing these posters. So imagine Calvin Trent's funeral procession is playing in my car, and I'm driving and seeing poster after poster, and probably the most stunning thing was all of the young, beautiful faces, all of the black faces, faces from every age group, just beautiful. And so I um, looked for two people who were closest to me, and one of them was Clyda Ellison, um, who, you know, was like a second mother to me growing up. And um, unfortunately, her picture was missing. But I kept looking and looking and, you know, it's in alphabetical order. So it took me a while to get to ST. Um, and then as we were circling back around, you know, going towards the bridge, there was Marlo, and it was so stunning. The picture of him was so alive. Mm -hmm. He almost jumped off that picture. That's right. And I had to pull my car over and take a picture of his picture. So unlike a lot of people who were on the island, I only got him because that's all I could see. It was like, you know, breathtaking and real. And so by this time, you know, I'm just crying profusely by myself, driving around the island in tears, and I had no idea what I was driving into, but hats off to everybody who put mm -hmm. that thing together and to the families who lost, we see, you know, it's one thing to look at a pie chart or a bar graph and see what age groups people are and how many people. And it is another thing to look at faces and you could not convince me there were not 1500 faces. It just mm -hmm. went on and on and on, you know, it just seemed like it was so long. I couldn't imagine them missing anybody, but there are 600 people who are, you know, so about, you know, I don't know, I'm not gonna do the math because I'm too emotional, but a good number, maybe 40%, 30% who are not pictured because there were just so many to picture, so. Yeah, and it is, it is a, a a form of closure that I think a lot of folks need because we were not able, we were robbed of the opportunity to grieve um, together. We were robbed of the opportunity uh, to be able to gather and celebrate these lives that were a part of our lives um, for so long. And so um, I knew that one day when the world begins to open up that some people wouldn't wouldn't be here when we were able to look up and go outside. Some people we weren't um, going to be able to call. I had a moment, uh, I think it was last week, <laughs> and something was going on. And I wanted to pick up the phone and call Marlo. <laughs> and I couldn't. And so um, this is something that we are going to be dealing with for you know a long time being robbed of, being able to collectively grieve. That's a part of, especially black folk, that's just a part of who we are, you know, going to the, you know, you know how we do. We know how to send them off. We know how to transition folks. And we weren't allowed to transition our people the way that we normally would. So Absolutely. Uh, hats off to Rochelle for leading uh, that effort. Rochelle Riley, Director of Arts and Culture at the city. We. Um, we are enamored and amazed by what you all put together. Absolutely. Yeah. That wraps up our Fresh Off the Press segment. If you have pieces that you want discussed on Authentically Detroit, you can hit us up on our socials at Authentically Detroit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
or you can email us at authenticallydetroit at gmail.com. So we don't have any special guests other than Donna's husband, Kevin Davidson. So the featured discussion is about the two of them. They got married, y'all. They got married. <laughs> so look, I know everybody's interested. Kevin is here. Donna is here. Give us Donna. Give us the backstory. Like, what? How did this happen? How did y'all meet? What's going on? Because this is just seeing y'all together is just too much. I just love it. <laughs> we actually met online. Yeah. <laughs> Come and on for the online. Tell people don't write that off. Tell people don't write. No, not at all. Not online. at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, actually, I had um, had this ridiculous. Um, dinner somebody invited me out to drinks I thought it was business and they were trying to date me and it was such a crazy conversation that I renewed my online and I went into this new app um, and and so Kevin I saw Kevin and I immediately assumed that he would not be a good person to me because I don't know he just looks conceited to me and so <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing that but, you know, his his story was so interesting, I couldn't pass him up. And so uh, he wasn't smiling in his pictures. He was all yeah. serious. Like, oh, you were stoned? <laughs> he, oh, yeah, yeah. he was He was so I was GQ and stoic. He was so stoic. I was like, oh, he was. He had some poses. Right. He was smoldering. Yeah, he, he was posing. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. But his story, you know, he worked for the right. And he was a museum designer. And so much of what he said about himself was fascinating to me and so I said well you know might as well try and so um, I was in Milwaukee at a conference at Reclaiming Vacant Properties conference yes. and so he called me and I was in my you know room by myself all by myself we ended up talking for hours and hours and um, then the next day um, I was, you know, once again in the conference and we talked for hours and I'm trying to remember, I'm so embarrassed, um, the City Planning Commission, what is her name? Oh. Catherine Underwood. I can't even believe I forgot her name, Catherine Underwood. So Catherine Underwood and I were there and um, everybody else had left and we went to see Terrence Blanchard um, at this theater. And so she's telling me all about how she met her husband and at the time I was thinking about Kevin, I was just like, wow, you know, he has some of the same qualities that she is saying her husband had. So from my standpoint, that's how we met. Kevin, how do we meet? <laughs> the story is different. Okay. I can't. Well, no, I mean, he might have a different, he, he, you know, I don't know if I was stuck up too. I, I don't know, but you know, I was opposing like that. I tell you that. <laughs> I think first and foremost, um, when I was online and, and it was the first um, online dating service I went to and um, the thing that struck me about her was that first of all she was just so beautiful to me Aww. I couldn't get past her that's like wow she is absolutely gorgeous and I read her profile and we had you know a lot in common you know we love theater this that and the other um and I love the fact that she um was a professional woman you know with you know degree and all of that, that that stuff you know um and once we started talking it was like you know, two magnets coming together, wow. you know, uh, and, you know, we just enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation we were having with each other, you know, and we talked about, that's one thing that was beautiful. We talked about everything. I mean, everything, you know, and the conversation was just so open and so comfortable, which is why it could go on for hours. Yeah. Um, and you know, I started feeling like, wow, this right here could be my soulmate. Mm. Yeah. You, knew, you knew in the beginning that this, yep. is, this could, wow. Men always know. That's so funny. Oh, did we you, know. We know. know. We had that conversation, you know. It doesn't take us long. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't take us long to figure wow. that out. 
Did you know, Donna, that this was probably going to be it right away? Initially, when we were first talking, I thought it might be. And then I went through my doubts and I um, kind of ghosted him for a couple of months. Like a real Virgo. <laughs> you feel me, Orlando? Like, no, this is just too much. It's like what happened to her. Right. <laughs> Donna goes to them. So Donna, on your Facebook the other day, and I thought this was really uh, poignant, I really want you to expand on what you were saying. You talked about the loss and pain that you've endured, um, mm -hmm. but you spoke of a blessing that has transcended all of that. Can you say more about what you were getting at there? <laughs> Um, when I turned 50, um, what was that? 2013. Um, I thought at that year that everything good that was going to happen to me had already happened. Mm. And I don't know how to explain how I just felt like my life was just going to go downhill from here. I was in a very, very, very unhappy marriage in a very unhappy place. Um, I had a business and the business did not succeed. Um, we had a house and I lost my house. And I literally had to start my life over again at 50. Um, and so I just could not imagine ever having had what I had when I was 40, you see. And a lot of people say, a lot of women say, when you hit your 50s, those are the best years of your lives. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> mine feels like it's over. And so I, um, you know, I, I listened to this song, River Rise, and the song really is so meaningful to me because when she said that she had lost her way and she was always this optimistic, positive person who had lost her rays, River Rise carried me away. I was just looking for something. And so I just engaged in prayer. Mm -hmm. And every day I just tried to be a blessing to everyone and everything and really just tried to get back to a place um, because with my business, I kind of lost contact with my mission. So it was more than just things. It was just getting lost. Like, how did I end up here so far from where I wanted to be? Um, that's another song so far from where I started out. I, I can do IRE all day, but I'm oh, not going yeah. to. Put <laughs> <laughs> the river rise in the description. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, but it was just really, really amazing. And so, you know, I slowly began to piece things back together in my life as I returned to my purpose, as I worked to mend relationships and um, really forgive myself and reinvest and start believing again. And so, um, it really, you know, from a career professional standpoint in 2015, when I was offered the job at ECM, that was the beginning of a return. This is where I was supposed to wow. be. And I felt it in my wow. bones. This is what God placed me on earth to do this kind of work, you know? So if anybody says I'm not doing well, I'm doing my best, but I actually believe that I am doing work that I am purposed to do. I feel equipped to do it. And I feel as though I'm at my best when I am working around community problems and trying to do this kind of work. And so that became good. And then the other part was, you know, I'm a very um, Virgo, so I'm a complicated person. I'm not somebody who I've ever seen as easy to love, right? And certainly everybody I've dated and been married to has told me that I'm not easy to love. So that was the message I had about myself. Mm. That I was not lovable, that I was too... Um, independent, too opinionated, too, you know, people used to tease me and call me Angela Davis because of my political opinions. And um, people have tried to tone me down and shape me and mold me into something I just couldn't be. And then, you know, I had this perception that any man worth anything wanted a woman who would serve his ego. And God did not create me to be an ego servant. I'm just too much my own person as I saw it. So I just figured, you know, well, you'll just have to make do. And yeah. so I was in a whole lot of make do relationships, trying to allow myself because I didn't want to be alone to be with somebody who could at least, I could at least tolerate, make could tolerate me because I did not expect to really find love. And that was the blessing that was such a surprise for me to find out that I really could 
um, meet and be with somebody who I loved, who loved me back as I loved them. Um, because I just didn't think that that was um, something that I was going to ever be blessed with um, being as I am. Hmm. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, had you, had you given up on love too? Had you given up or? You know, yourself? Uh, um, when I left my home and my marriage, I was in a lot of pain and I experienced, you know, um, major uh, physical illness, you know, and my mind was just totally out of sorts. And, you know, at that point, you know, I, I was, I was, I just really wanted to feel and experience some level of happiness at that point, mm. you know, because I was so unhappy. And I, love wasn't something I was even thinking of. I just wanted to be happy and comfortable. Um, and, you know, it, I kind of struggled through a whole, you know, year, maybe a little more than a year, maybe a year and a half, you know, um, just trying to get my footing and, and get comfortable with, with this new life, you know, as a single person. Um, and I um, didn't know what this love I would eventually have was going to look or feel like. I had no concept of it until I met Donna. <laughs> and it was, it was just, you know, something that just was mind blowing because I didn't know this kind of love really existed. You know, you have fantasies about that sort of thing, but to actually experience it and be in it, you know, where uh, you, you have this exchange with each other and it's like, it's one love together and you're sharing everything. Um, and you're learning that you enjoy thousands of different things, you know, you like the same beans and you like the, you know, you like the same music and, um, you like to do the same things and, you know, you, you, you're thinking the same way. Um, and, you know, it, it was just amazing to be able to, to actually experience, you know, uh, what we have. You know, one of the things that, you know, is interesting to me and I, and I would love to get both of your takes on it is I think that um, especially as the millennial generation and the generation to come after us and even the Xers and boomers, I think we are struggling. I think we're in a time when we're struggling deeply with uh, comparative paralysis because we have um, so much access to everybody uh, via social media and we see folks purport their lives in a way that is amazing, that looks very happy, especially those of us who are single, who have the desire to find love and that desire to be married. But you all have managed to just stay true to your own journey and go through your own journey. Um, how, Donna, how did you do that in a world where like you see everybody else winning and you feel like you, your life is over at 50? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it's not easy. Um, I think I was married when I was young and I had three children and I had this picture perfect life that was really, you know, the opposite in reality. And I maintained this um, front and I'm, you know, to the point where when I finally left my abusive marriage, people said, I thought you had the perfect marriage. And I promised myself I would never, ever, ever be that dishonest with myself or with anybody else in the future because the amount of freedom and um, just personal freedom was so important. And I finally achieved emotional freedom and I refused to get back into that box. And so 
to a certain extent, it's just not been easy for me along the way to ever box myself in like that and try to play the role of being perfect. Um, but for so long, what I did was I just didn't let people see any side of me. You know, you look at my Facebook post from five years ago, and I talked about Michigan football, politics. I talked about everything but me. Um, and I might talk about my kids and my granddaughter, but I talked about everything but me. I was absent from the conversation. And when people would just make guesses about who I was and things about me, I'd get really ir irritated. Um, but you know, it's hard because I remember there was one year, a couple of years where people would just post these pictures of themselves being in married bliss. And I felt inadequate, you know? Yeah. And there was a period of time when I was the only person in my family who was divorced. So I'm around all of these seemingly perfect families who made all the right decisions, wondering what the hell was wrong with me, which contributed to my belief that I was not able to be in a loving relationship because everybody else could, but what about me? And so I think, you know, I had to always try to find my own joy, my own purpose, and to avoid comparison, but you cannot avoid sometimes feeling inadequate and sometimes feeling like, you know, where am I? I mean, when I tell you that I lost a lot and I had to rebuild my life, I mean everything about my life, my home, I had to rebuild, you know, everything. And so when you are around people who don't have to rebuild, who are your age, then they have it all. Can and I you're still you in the building phase. I, I but you know, I, thank you for saying that because you, you are a president CEO of one of the most prominent community development nonprofits and uh, you have uh, amazing kids and you know folks will think uh, that you are absent of any kind of real trouble or struggle and so for you to be uh, forthright and sharing that struggle and sharing that 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 tremendous loss that you had and having to rebuild I think you just freed so many people Donna you just freed so many people in their journeys um, you know and I, I also want to say there's value in the valley I think woo, that law. I need the bell again. Right. Right. Go ahead. Finish. I think that law and pain helps build empathy. Mm -hmm. I think it helps build awareness. I think it helps build you into a better person. Mm -hmm. um, I think that my ability to relate to the feelings and experiences of people in the community that I now am so blessed to serve allows me to um, still fight. I think, you know, um, the flip side of having to renew your life when you're in your 50s is that you do become new. And it allows you also to not um, be so distant from young people because you're not somebody who has to remember this from 30, 40 years ago. Last week, you had a struggle. and. Um, so you can understand. And I think that, you know, one thing I appreciate is a blessing to be able to be at my age doing the things I do and looking at the world through um, renewed, rebuilt eyes, because that's, you know, a gift that everybody doesn't have. And so everybody has a different journey and nobody's life is supposed to be better than anybody else's. But when I do the comparison now, what I say is thank you, God, for giving me the ability to become new. Um, and that's like I say, like a phoenix, I rise, you know, and I rise and I rise. And when you may try to knock me down, and I've had so many people try to knock me down. And it's, I'm a black woman, okay, a black woman in America. And America does not love black women. Okay, so in different ways, you have people knocking you down. But the reality is I've believed even sometimes in my darkest moments that God had invested in me the ability to rise above and to keep on going. And so when I get past that, whatever it is that you go through, you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to try again. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not allowing people who want to defeat me to win because I know God wants me to win. And I believe that, you know, love conquers hate. I believe that Sometimes you have to believe in yourself or you have to pretend to believe in yourself in order to begin to take those first steps. So you would not know that in 2016, where I was in my journey compared to where I am now, I didn't share it with people. I didn't open up, but it was there. Journey was real. And, um, and I'm proud of it. You know, you have to own all parts of yourself too. You can't just own your highlights. 
You got to oh. know on your low lights. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not on Facebook talking about my low lights, but anybody who knows me, anybody who knows me and loves me knows exactly what they are because I never hid it from my friends. That's right. And maybe that's why some of my friends are celebrating because they know mm -hmm. that journey and they saw me there and come out of it. So I just, I, it's not, I'm not saying it'd be a blessing. I'm saying that because I think that you do have to tell your story as it is so that people can understand that they have a pathway forward, you know? Yeah. Kevin, can you talk about how COVID changed the way you were all, you guys were planning to celebrate? <laughs> when <laughs> COVID said, hey, bro, I'm COVID. <laughs> Y'all can't take my way. <laughs> We had planned to um, have our wedding on October 24th of this year. Um, you know, so we were, you know, thinking of putting everything in place for that and, you know, that everybody was going to be able to participate, all of the family and friends, you know, um, at the church or some other venue. Um, and, you know, COVID changed all of that. Yeah. But probably what um, stands out to most for me is we spent three months together under COVID. And mm -hmm. to me, it was like a vacation. You know, we just really <laughs> enjoyed this, this each other. a lot of relationships, <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> we really enjoyed each other as we do now, but you know, uh, I know it's been difficult for some couples and it's been a blessing for others, but you know, at the, you know, when we were finally able to, you know, see a little bit of daylight and, 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 and get out uh, under, from underneath this quarantine, we decided, well, we need to, let's just get married now. Forget about all this other stuff, you know, let's just simplify this thing. Um, and, and so we just went ahead and, you know, and planned a wedding and, and had it outside at the Detroit Yacht Club and had our um, family there, you know, kept it real, really simple and intimate, although, you know, others, kind of forced us in a way to, you know, to kind of uh, conventionalize certain things, you know. Because they love you. <laughs> you know, uh, our photography, photographer, Andre Smith. Can't wait to see I think I called him the day before, and he just showed up and just did a bang-up like, job. You're a photographer mean, the day before? Wow. Yeah. Because we yeah, were like, we, it, we were was, like, oh, yeah. we don't have a photographer <laughs> who could take pictures. And he was like, well, let me right. contact my friend Andre. So he, I, he called Andre, and Andre was asking us all these questions, like, where are you getting dressed? Right. I was like, at home? He was like, so, uh, <laughs> I, 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 capture all of that, right? Do you want me to capture you walking in? Absolutely not. <laughs> we are not. This is, this is really, yeah. you know, Luna became a, a flower girl and Kyla mm. became a ring bearer. I think we decided that about two or three days beforehand. <laughs> right. right, maybe um, less. Maybe less. Mm -hmm. And so Virgo is going crazy. <laughs> Right, because <laughs> we just wanted to just have it be like standing under a tree yeah. and exchange our vows. The yeah. end. Real simple. Uh, yeah. We even um, included my um, uh, Brian Ellison as pastor. He yeah. was going to officiate by herself, mm -hmm. and I was like, we have to invite him to co-officiate because he said he wants to marry. So I called him up, and I was like, you know, he said, just tell me when. And so I told my sister, well, Brian's going to be co-officiating with you and they had to work that out mm -hmm, and so then we had my son and my nephew managing the zoom so my mm -hmm. son created this video and um to our song so good el Jero. Mm -hmm. and then we sent him pictures and then some people didn't like pictures and we had to exchange pictures and then my nephew did it and we sent out the invitations we got registered at the last minute because it was not for us about the circumstance mm -hmm. and the pomp and circumstance. People were asking us, are you registered? Where are you registered? <laughs> right. And I'm like, we are. We are. <laughs> we went walking by Maggie's house and Maggie said, where are you registered? And I was like, <laughs> 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 
So we went back and we registered and we put a few gifts on and then people bought all of those gifts. We decided, okay, we better register for some more gifts. And we, did. <laughs> and we also invited people to contribute to the Charles Wright Museum. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we always raise money for ECN. I always do, but I felt like it was important for us to raise money for our museum. Yes. Um, which Kevin, Kevin happens to work at, but mm -hmm. it's our museum, it it's is. our culture, it's yep. our people. It belongs to the community. And so we ended up raising about $650 for mm -hmm. the museum, and hey. um, that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listen, she went listen. out and bought her dress a few days before the wedding. I was ready to say, y'all look so nice and coordinated. <laughs> Yeah, she said it's purple. <laughs> so I said, well, we're gonna go and get a, a suit and a purple vest, purple tie, and uh, we matched it up with the God dress, is. and all this happened within a matter of days. That's hilarious. You know, so, oh my God. Uh, That's it just became more formal than we had even imagined it would be. Yeah. We wanted, we were keeping it real simple because we wanted so badly to just be married yeah. yeah i was there virtually and i was just so happy <laughs> to be a part of the experience i do have to say that both of you were upstage we know it's your wedding but you couldn't tell your y'all's grandchildren that okay especially <laughs> Stole the show. It was about her. That yeah. was Luna's way. You hear me? Luna <laughs> has been watching um, Homecoming. And she oh. got up on the stage and she was like, wait a minute. Beyonce dances. And she got up there and said, I have to give a show. And so she did her best to give a little show yeah. for everybody, you know. Um, Luna and Kylan are, um, you know, I, we are so blessed with grandchildren yeah. who. Um, not only love us, mm -hmm. but love each of us, you yes. know? And yes. so, and really, yeah, the, that's special. Yeah, it really is. The most special thing to me mm -hmm. was a few days before we got married, about a week before we mm -hmm. got married, Kylan was visiting and he looked at me and he was playing with Luna and Luna was acting a mess. She got some nail polish and painted the floor with her red, red, red nail polish. Um, so yeah. See, there's like trials right before you're married. Like, are you still going? <laughs> is this still going to happen? Because we had nail polish, paint, and she had it all over her body, and so you had to get it off. And Kylan just looked, just horrified by the whole thing. And you know, because Kevin taught Luna to paint, so now she thinks everything is her canvas. Right. Kevin for this. Yeah, that's my fault. fault. It is. I mean, you know, yes. no, but. It was. I thought she was upstairs with Kevin, but he was on the balcony, and I he thought she was downstairs with me. Mm -hmm. It was just a little mix up. So anyway, Kevin looked at me afterwards. He says, "So, is Luna going to be my cousin?" And I said, "Yes." And then he was over, and I was on a meeting with somebody, and he was putting his head in the meeting. And um, so right before the meeting, he looked at me. He said, "Wait, so are you going to be my grandmother?" And I said, "Yes." And so I introduced him as my grandson oh, and he man. just looked at me. And after that, he was in every single meeting that I had so I could introduce him as my grandson. <laughs> and that just felt um, really special. With his head on her shoulder. With, yes, with his head <laughs> on my shoulder. <laughs> That's a becoming one. What, what, would be, what would be your, for our listeners, guys, who are probably now just so inspired and all googly and moogly on the inside. <laughs> what would be your parting message to those who are listening who may have found themselves in your journey uh, and or a piece of your journey that you both described today? What, what, what do you have to say to them? Number one, Satan is a liar. Mm -hmm. You so people tell you what you are right. not, what you cannot, who you are not, why they do not <laughs> it's a lie yes okay and when the more we internalize those lies the more paralyzed we become as we move forward so mm -hmm. the first thing is don't believe the lies okay everybody everybody is god's child everybody is lovable to somebody mm -hmm. okay that's not right. the same somebody's that's but that's right. why we're all different and special so mm -hmm. you know everybody's not for everybody so I think, you know, at least for me, buying into that is really um, important. Hold on to your dreams because you can have a dream that you're going to have something and then people will talk you out of your dream. Men ain't no good. You know, these women ain't no good. And we get to this point where we're characterizing people and dehumanizing each other because of bad experiences. If I have a bad experience with one person, that does not connote men. 
even if it's two or three. That's not men. First of all, you chose these idiots. Okay? <laughs> you chose, because at some point, each party had to consent, okay? So you don't get to put it on the other gender um, because everybody's not like the people you've been with. Those are the people you chose. And if you chose badly, you can choose well. Mm -hmm. um, and then the final thing I'll say is that Kevin and I talked a good month before we ever sat mm -hmm. down and met each other. And so um, it forced us into a friendship. I was just scared, you know? I was like, I, I'm, I'm afraid of everything. Um, but I think that really you have to be a friend with somebody before you can have, I think, true love with somebody. You can have true attraction and infatuation, but that friendship has to be the base on which you build everything else. And, you know, it's got to be friendship and attraction. Because friendship without attraction, I've done that too. That doesn't work, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like you can try to fake it, but you can't fake that. Right, that's right. Oh, I love you, baby. You don't. <laughs> but <laughs> you got to, you know. So the other thing is just be real. You know, um, I found myself over my lifetime pretending certain things because I thought that was what was expected of me. And then you start lying to yourself. And then you become a lie. Okay? And so you want to make sure that you have that own, that you hold yourself accountable for your integrity because you do nobody any favor pretending to feel something that you don't. Mm. They can tell you don't feel it. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. and you're only harming yourself. So exactly. that's my advice. Yeah, that's right. So my advice is um, we are the sum of our experiences. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, we have to take the good with the bad and, you know, know and understand that, um, you know, who we are right at this moment is a culmination of all of that. And so there's an appreciation that I have for Donna um, that I, I might not have had 20 years ago. There's, there's some things that happened, you know, that um, allows me to see her in a different kind of way, you know. Um, so bad relationships, they become your examples of what not to do, you know. Uh, good relationships, you take the good out of that, you know. And, um, and so it's pairing you for the relationship you end up in, you know? Um, and so I always, we always have that, that conversation, you know? Um, we can love and appreciate each other uh, because of what we've gone through, for one thing, you know? And the other point is that, you know, you have to stay focused on building yourself you know, because people are going to tear you down, you know, you got to continue to, to build yourself spiritually, physically, mentally. Um, and, you know, you, you have to be totally comfortable and happy with yourself, you know, and, and that way you're bringing something into the relationship, you know, that's going to be of of great benefit to the longevity of it so that's what i have to say about it all right well said if you have topics that you want discussed on authentically detroit you can hit us up on facebook twitter and instagram at authentically detroit or email us at authentically detroit at gmail.com shout outs shout out to my employer bridge detroit for reaching our 100 day milestone we started out saying we wanted to publish like twice a week and we literally publish every day. So um, I want to uh, give notice about our kids in COVID series. So I've been sitting down with young people all over the city of Detroit to talk about their experiences, uh, ending the school year early, their summer and how they feel about going back to school in the fall, whether virtual or um, face to face. And we spoke with Yinde Perry last week, who gave a fantastic interview. It's so powerful hearing from young people directly. Yeah. Uh, so you can head over to bridgedetroit.com to uh, get that series. 
shout out to all of the families who mourn the loss of their loved ones today. We are thinking um, and praying for you. And to all of our guests, while Donna was away, thank you to Jermaine Ruffin, to Alan Penniman, and Arthur Jemison for coming on. Uh, and this week, we will be releasing two episodes. That's right. So you're going to hear this episode, and we'll be sitting down with State Senator Adam Ollier this week as well, and you'll be able to hear that interview. Donna, Kevin, any shout out? Um, shout out to Rima Vassar. Yes. who was elected at the Michigan Democratic Party convention yesterday as nominee for one of the two nominees for Michigan State trustee. Shout out to Eva Gar Garza Duwash, as well as my friend Shirley Stancato for being selected um, as Wayne State University trustees. Um, I want to shout out to Ayende Perry because that interview gave me life. <laughs> I was in, in Orlando for staging the interview yes. and keeping things going. That was really exciting. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to shout out to Angela Brown Wilson, who as deputy director held down the fort while I was gone. Um, not, not, you don't get to take time off. I took three whole consecutive mm -hmm. weeks off of work in August. And when I tell you I did almost no work, I'm not lying. I was barely reading emails, giving people a side eye for trying to schedule anything with me. Angela handled her business. And that's what happens when you have a deputy director who is a responsible, caring, mm -hmm. loving person. The staff at ECN, um, shout out to all of the staff because they wanted me to be off. If I made a mistake and answered an email, they say, you are off of work. I don't want to hear from you again. <laughs> and I didn't come back to a stalled ship. I came back to so much work they had in front of me. I had to sign this and do that. But everything kept moving. And that's the way life is supposed to go. Um, where you have a team, other people can pitch it and step into your role. So I want to shout out to the entire ECN team, mm -hmm. as well as to our board members who supported me being gone for that period of time. Kevin, do you have any shout out? My shout out goes to the Black Lives Matter protests mm. who are out there. You know, day in and day out, every night, you know, being um, you know, sprayed and beaten and and you know, killed out here, uh, protesting um for African-American men and women and those uh, and, and other minorities who um, are experiencing this uh, systemic racism on all levels in this country. And they are making a difference in changing this society. And people say, Amazing. you know, they're not making any difference. Can mm -hmm. we just look at all the laws and policies that have yes. changed since they've been out That's there on right. the streets and quit pretending like they have no impact? Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you all uh, for this. Kevin, thank you for joining us to our listeners. Thank you. We're back. Thank you so much for listening. We want you to catch the wave. Until next time.